0: Yeah. So back. yeah, we, we took a little break this time.
1: <laughs> yeah. A brief little hiatus just to get things settled, focus on work. I got to go to the Rogue Invitational. So that was pretty awesome. Dude, that looked amazing. Yeah. It was a really impressive event to see. Like, I mean, the one thing, of course, like I mentioned to you, it was very strange to arrive later in the day and get to see the last CrossFit event, and then watch sixty percent of the crowd leave after like
0: that log thing. Man, it's just like which is right. nice. I I mean, you, it yeah, just kind you, of tells you a lot about a lot about where the public's interest is. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. And then you know, when it comes to man the the only ones anybody cares about are the big guys, which makes sense. It's strongman, right? I mean, we've talked about that before about being the strongest man um yeah. and then you got crossfit guys that are i mean mystery event log none of them trained it i mean the guy that um i can't think what his name is now i don't follow crossfit close enough but the guy that, that handler smith games, yeah. yeah he seemed to be the man. only one who knew how to handle a log he he actually knew how to clean a log he was like the only one <laughs> yeah know those um, power
1: cleans and tennis shoes like
0: oh yeah man but still yeah. like 300 pounds under, I mean, he, I think he walks around what, maybe 195, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, he's definitely a
1: 198 guy
0: at most. I mean, when you got crossfit athletes doing that on on an event, that I mean, obviously he's trained it in the past, he understands the mechanics, but you know, he probably didn't prep for that event. Um, Still hit a 300 pound log. I mean, dude, I know there's, there's under 231 pound, uh, uh, under, under 105K strongman at the international level. That'll fail a three hundred pound. Block. Yeah, that's. Right? I mean, so yeah, it says a lot about CrossFit and where CrossFit is in comparison to weight class strength. Um, you know, to me, it's kind of. I don't, I don't think it's an aha moment anymore, but I can see why the public interest is more more geared towards CrossFit. I mean, they're fitter, faster, they look better. Are just as strong in a lot of regards or they're getting to that point um you know I don't think anybody's gonna hit I think that what's under 200 log it's like 170 kilos or something like that I think so it's a, so it's pretty heavy right it's pretty huge I don't know that any of them are at that level yet but uh the average under 200 pound or even like I said under one third 105 is like not far off from what those guys are doing
1: Yeah. I mean, what was interesting too is seeing that, I mean, for one, this was the seventh event in three days and their opening weight was 260 pounds. And I was blown away that almost every guy hit it. Like some of them took multiple times and it was interesting to watch people who had never done a log before of their first attempt was super awkward. And then some of them, once they like did their third clean attempt, then just hit it. Like it was nothing. Yeah. And it was interesting to just see that focus on like, just being pretty good at every single sport of you've had, like I told you that I was like, their warm up was literally just a farmer's cave with sandbags. It looked like just like hundred pound sandbags per hand ran across the field, got into their, put their gear on and everything. And then, yeah, that was it. And especially, I mean, then like the women's one of like, hitting 215 just for fun when she had already won the event dude i think she like, did
0: um, i mean it's hard to tell I mean, it's a pretty big percentage jump because i think yeah
1: that,
0: so because the women's under what is it under 80 kilo yeah um, world record is like 250 i think is it under 80 i think so there's under 70 i don't follow the weight class as well enough um whatever 165 or 160 pounds is, that's what Danny Spiegel would have fallen into. Um, she's not too far off from that world record, I think. <laughs> and yeah. Over.
1: And that, yeah. So I mean, so i been mean, kind you of like see... thinking
0: about this, this is going to probably piss a lot of people off, but like, you know, I've said in the past, like, looking back, you know, I was just getting into strongman at the time that CrossFit came out. And it really appeared that, that CrossFit took strongman and made it profitable. Right. I mean, CrossFit took away from Strongman and it obviously grew into, you know, uh, weightlifting, gymnastics, right? The overall endurance aspect. But in kind of an iron, ironic kind of twist of fate, CrossFit has has stolen from, from Strongman and ultimately made Strongman look like it's the fatter, slower CrossFit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it was fascinating. <laughs> yeah, see them you know
0: side I mean? by side. Yeah, is, it kind of looks from like if you I don't know. I try to kind of imagine it from somebody that doesn't know the history or anything. Like looking at it, being like, "God, why? Why did? Why is strongman exist when we have CrossFit? Like, why did they think that they could do CrossFit better? Right? It looks like strongman took from CrossFit now and just doesn't do it as as well." Um, granted, I mean, again, right. The big guys, I've always kind of looked at them as like, they're like the monster trucks of racing, right? Mm-hmm. If CrossFit is racing then then open weight class strongman is like the monster trucks of, of racing, right? They're the freak show.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's interesting you say like, cause which came first so and it's like strongman's been around forever, yeah. but it was interesting to realize Alexei Novikov wins a prize purse of a hundred and. Twelve or one hundred fourteen thousand dollars. No, so don't get me wrong. That's the, a ton of cash. That's but
0: like the most. Like the Rogan Invitational has given the biggest prize purse in strongman to date.
1: And the they the biggest prize purse. But then the top woman and the top man both got two hundred eight thousand dollars. Yeah, and they get their endorsement deals and everything. And it was interesting to see Danny Spiegel. Somewhat people were asking her on, she had a AMA on um, Instagram and the people were like, oh, are you think, would you do strongman after this? And she was like, it was fun, but no. And it was, I mean, she has yeah, a million followers, like huge brand deals. She was like, I mean, the running event, she's definitely slower. She's built for power and everything. But it is just, it's interesting because like just having that window into the sport of seeing them side by side, you would never have guessed that one sport's been around for decades and decades. And the other sport just started in 2007 was when it started like doing their thing. It was weird to like, see people clear out. It was almost like when you go to see a band and no one's there before the headliner and then the headliner shows up and things really fill up and everything like people were there. The money was there for CrossFit, and it was interesting to see they had free events outside where people could do workouts, like do miniature versions of the CrossFit stuff going on. And the fans were just so dedicated there and so excited yes. by the sport. And it was it was interesting. Like you said, it's one of the largest purses paid out, and it was still half of what they pay out for just one division. Mm-hmm. Of and, it's CrossFit. Been,
0: and it's been around longer.
1: Yeah, because I I couldn't yeah, I mean, believe it that.
0: Says, it says a few things, though, right? I mean, one is has the you know the marketing really not been as, as successful for a strongman. I mean, I think I think there's an obvious you know answer there that it hasn't. Um, but also, you know, CrossFit is far more relatable to the average person.
1: Yeah, I think a large part of that, like we were talking about, the fact that. It is a tested sport if they busted the guy who got in second place for the CrossFit Games. There is a bit more. For Granite Games
0: or whatever it was that that guy got busted?
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure like one of those ones. So it is. there is a sense that these things could be achieved. But also, I mean, it is kind of interesting when you see the Rogue Invitational, Two Days of Strongman, and they're doing events three, four hours apart. And then the CrossFit athletes are doing nine events over four days and they're doing like these long, long events and everything that are like, essentially you're doing things like a 5k in the middle of like a lifting event and stuff. Like it's an interesting display of athleticism that it is that like, you have to be good at everything. Cause like Danny Spiegel won the pressing event by like a long shot, but she wasn't even in the podium, I don't think.
0: Yeah, i don't think she oh. i don't think either of the winners ended up on the top uh, of the log event
1: yeah and it was interesting just that focus on overall athleticism if you can't just come in and dominate an event and everything yeah. you have to be but, i mean starman's yeah. that way too yeah it's true even... like Martins.
0: people like the idiot savants of 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 strength sports are are you know, gonna <laughs> <it's an idiot laughs> savant. you're really great at one thing and bad at everything else right um You know those people are never going to really do well, Um, and it's it's hard. Like in either of those sports, if you have like a really big weakness, it's probably not going to bode well for you in most competitions. Although I've noticed in strongman, um, people with um, weaker deadlifts uh, as their weakness, as long as they have like really strong overhead press and they move fast, usually do well. But um, vice versa, guys with really strong deadlifts and not strong Presses usually don't do well. Like they struggle. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I I don't know why that is. I, you know, I haven't analyzed it closely enough, but um, you know, something that I've noticed. Yeah, big big presses are. You know, big pressers typically take the podiums.
1: Yeah, I was noticing that you have uh, Maxime Boudreau, who definitely deadlift is his weak point, but he can do everything else pretty well and stuff. Uh, But I I think uh,
0: uh, Novikov is similar, right? I mean. I, mean, I think his deadlifts have certainly improved over over the years, but he um, has the 18 inch record. I mean, the official one. I think yeah, there's that side. The strongest man. He has the record. He doesn't have the world record. <laughs> yeah. We want If we want to split hairs here, I mean, the real world record belongs to what was his name, Kevin. Uh know. I'm blanking on his name now. I know we Kevin. had it somewhere. I can't look it up because so I'm using my phone to record. Um, yeah. God, sorry, dude. Like, I know his name and I can't spit it out. Uh, but that's where the real, real world record, that real world record belongs to. But also, who gives a fuck about 18 inch dithers? People people do love it, though. That's their... I, mean, I mean, people, I mean, athletes love it because you get a chance to like pull a lot of weight. But, but I mean, when it comes to like world records, like, I mean, that's the thing that's always kind of like annoyed me with Strongman is. You know, they try to have a world record for, like, every single variation of every event of, like, most of them just don't matter. It's like, let, let's just stick to one world record, standard deadlift, period, and a story. Um, <laughs> that's the line in the sand here. I that's think... the line in the sand. The rest is just gratuitous, man. I mean,
1: <laughs> I think yeah. it's just
0: stroking yeah. your ego at that point. That was the interesting part about watching Static
1: Monsters be the same day as the Rogue Invitational and see everyone's logs thing and to realize that almost all the CrossFit men hit a 260-pound log as their opener. And it was interesting to see people posting their numbers of like not or hitting around that ballpark. And that's with a day where all you're doing is your deadlift and your press and your press is first, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. Um, who, who... um I think it's fair though to point out that that level of CrossFit, I mean, those guys are all like the top of their game. That's true. Yeah, that's Versus, true. Versus that... like the static monsters, you know, I mean, anybody can enter that, and a lot of those people, you know, aren't—they're not quite pros yet. A lot of them are still quite amateur, if not novice. Yeah, so. that's true. So it gotta, is a different level. to take that into account for like comparison factor, yeah. but but I still think you know it's worth—it's notable to say like. Strongman, right? Conceivably, well, not conceivably, like the perception is, is that they're the strongest, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And and in in movements that that strongman specializes in, CrossFit is doing just as well, if not better. Um, you know, it really is uh, pretty eye
1: opening. And for those paydays, I mean, the CrossFit Games—if you win that—that's three hundred grand for first place, and like hundred grand for second place, and fifty grand for third
0: spain yeah so i Cause think it, yeah because i think again i mean i think we might have mentioned this before but i think it was danny spiegel made almost seven hundred thousand dollars last year and just competition winnings alone that I think it was is a, astonishing yeah it's stupid man that's just her her competition winnings um you know her endorsements and everything else. she's definitely making six figures
1: and I think that is the part of like, there is an appetite for this kind of thing. And I mean, like we preface everything. Sometimes you can be critical about these things, but it's only out of passion because like you said, these people, the CrossFit athletes, they aren't professional. So it's not quite a great one-to-one comparison, yeah. but it was interesting to think about that is for so many people, you think I've seen people who just dominated strongman competitions, but are CrossFit athletes on the local level and sure. in their minds, The CrossFit games is the goal of like, that's where the money is to be able to. You can be a mid level athlete in CrossFit and make six figures, possibly. Right. Off of just the winnings alone. And you should switch to CrossFit. I'm probably too old now.
0: No, I think you (laughs) could do it.
1: That's what I was going to say. I was like, most of these 105 guys, you just slim down a little bit, hit that sweet spot of 200 pounds and
0: fast. Yeah. Dude, I got to, I got to, I got to bring something up, man. It's just like, look mind and I don't know who this guy is I ran across him on on Instagram today the dude's 50 years old like he's six years older than me not much and he's got like I don't know 20 or 30,000 followers and all he does is like these really terrible terrible body weight workouts like he doesn't look athletic he doesn't move like he's athletic he doesn't move. Like he, like, he looks like he's just making the stuff up. I mean, it's almost so bad. Like, it's like the guys doing, like, I don't know what they call it, like the dinosaur squats or whatever, you know, and they got the cable machine, and they have weight on it, and they're, like, just sinking down and, like, jumping back. You know what I mean? How dumb it is? Yeah. almost bad this guy was. And people are, like, in awe of him, man, calling him a beast, savage, jacked. And I'm like, how, how do these people – How do they trick people into, like, buying such garbage? But also, you know, how do they not have, a like, a sense of, like, integrity, you know, to, like, actually sell, like, something that's valuable? I mean, this guy's workouts are, like, half of my woman, right? Yeah.
1: And you're (laughs) selling these $30 workout packs that people are just
0: buying up. Dude, I I was just, like, reading the comments on his posts, I was just like, what is... Are people really this naive and, and ignorant to fitness? Like the, this is what they think is going to, I mean, I can understand like, like one of his videos being like, Hey, this is geared to somebody who's maybe in their fifties has never done any workout or anything in their life. This is, this is a place to just get you started, right? You're going to do this for a few weeks. And then we're going to yeah. move on to something more advanced, but every single one of his videos, this is the all, this is the only thing he sells. So like these, really terrible like they're not even like he's not doing hit he's not doing like one-arm pull-ups or you know something like that i mean i mean the guy can barely move i'm like it's just my my mind is blown with like some of these influencers and how they how their sphere of influence grows on stuff that is so i mean ele, i mean it's below elementary right yeah <laughs> Like preschool stuff. This is like <laughs> I think,
1: yeah. I mean, a part of it, what you get to is like kind of pandering to the lowest common denominator of you just having that mass appeal of like in a world of a country of 350 million people, you just need 30,000 people following you and a thousand people. I mean, in a world you. of
0: almost eight billion, I mean, yeah, even more potential. <laughs> That's like, true. I don't know, man. I just like I see these influencers all the time, and I'm like, they're just selling just trash. Yeah, And i like, I just don't know if that, I don't think I have like the, I think my principles would allow me to do something like that.
1: <laughs> no, my wife sees them all the time. Cause it's those ones of people who have like, just like very strong lower body women who are like, oh, I did this just with body weight. And it's like, no, there's a good fair amount of genetics involved in there. And you're just not, right. you're not naturally going to build a booty. That's just like incredible off of just body weight exercises three times a week
0: yeah i think well i mean i think a lot of fitness sells that like a lot of like even legitimate good coaches will make comments to like you know uh, this person's the size of their quads or their hamstrings or their boot you know their glutes or whatever their calves right and i'm like you got to realize that that's not going to be the result for every single person that participates in in a training program that's designed to build that specific muscle group, because genetics definitely play a part. I mean, I hate being that example, but like my legs don't. <laughs> like everything I do is is full body leg dominant. I've been doing, I've been training powerlifting and strongman for eight years. You know, I mean, I squat uh, reps in the low sixes, right? I mean, my my best deadlifts in in, in the low eights. You know, I mean, training yoke farmers. You know, I mean, push pressing, everything is legs. Either your legs yeah. are going to go or they're not, man, at the end of the day. Um, and I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I could commit a little bit more and really just destroy my lower body, you know, a few times a week and see what happens. But then I'm not going to progress on anything else.
1: Right. Yeah. Spin all so, your it's time. Like, it's on like the my, my
0: coach Bo actually posted recently, and, and I think I, you know, initially took, mistook the meaning of his post, but it was like, You know, if you want to get good at something, do less of the things that aren't, um, you know, uh, helping you achieve that goal. For Strongman, one of those things is, like, I'm not going to do, like, I'm not going to squat three times a week. I mean, I have before. I've done the Russian squat program. Yeah, because
1: I think it is that, like, you always have to factor in those genetics and everything, just certain things of, like, my quads are always going to look decent, but my calves aren't going to show anything. I have more gains in my shins, start getting vascularity in my shins before <laughs> yeah, anything <they> do. else. <laughs> but I think that's the main thing is, I think oftentimes we get kind of stuck in just like the world of strongman where you forget that the average person, so many people are just completely disconnected from like any form of fitness.
0: Like it's been interesting yeah.
1: to at my new gym that I've been going to that I started this summer of seeing people just getting into strength training and realizing like for so many people, there are those things of like one plate is a big goal of like these things of being able to like move these things. So I think in some ways that kind of speaks to some of the appeal of CrossFit is seeing seemingly normal people being able to do these things. But also some of the things that Strongman just seems so out there that it doesn't seem like something you could even do of like your implements that you're never going to see at the gym it's these ideas yeah. that you couldn't replicate it's not like the whole work some of the things that crossfit like the whole workout's just like a barbell a pull-up bar and like one other thing yeah a wall for those like handstand pushups and
0: jump over a bar and then and then a sprint anybody can do that you're right i mean that's a very valid point and, and i think i think you're right too uh, you know i'm probably in awe of like this person that i that I referenced earlier, because I don't, like, I am probably so disconnected from the average person in the world, you know, um, that's hard to conceive that, that that little amount of work <laughs> can be impressed people. And then, and then on the other extreme, right. is, is you know, powerlifter strongman, you know, deadlifting ridiculous amounts of weight that is so inconceivable that, you know people are just i don't know maybe intimidated by it but yeah when it comes to crossfit anybody can do burpees jump over a bar oh by the way those workouts are just (laughs) they're real hard i've only had to do a few at my time i'm uh i may actually join there's a couple guys that have asked me to join their little group at uh, the gym that i train at which is really kind of more or less a crossfit gym Um, i mean it's I mean, they do a lot of CrossFit. I mean, it's a very well-rounded, you know, strength training facility. But um, after after OSG, I, I may give it a shot. Yeah.
1: How are you feeling leading up to the official Strongman Games?
0: I mean, I think I'm the strongest I've... I mean, it's always kind of subjective when I say that. Like, I feel the strongest that I've ever been in certain regards. Other things, like, I mean... My pressing is, is about the best it's ever been. My mobile events, my grip are about the best it's ever been. You know, something that's really strange is um, I, I did two sets and moved very, very quickly with uh, 3.30 a hand farmers on Monday. And I haven't been training um, farmers. I was actually really about my only training for OSG um, because in the past when I trained mobile events like yoke and farmers and stuff, it usually just beats me up too much that I can't do much else. So the, uh, the movement pattern is so ingrained, I'm not too worried about training it. Uh, but but in the past when I've trained like farmers, dude, there's been shows where I couldn't even carry 300 for 50 feet <laughs> in training, yeah. but I always do, but I always perform on the day of the show. So that's kind of part of my reasoning and not really training farmers, cause I'm like, I'm gonna do well the day of the show no matter. Um, cause that's been my history. Um, because even though I, I dropped 300 in training, like I'll, I'll carry 320 fairly easily. right? Um, but but my deadlift has not been so strong. Uh, my deadlift has been neglected a lot over probably the last year and a half, maybe even two years-ish. Because I because deadlifts is another one of those things. Like I've always been a really strong deadlifter. Um, it was one of those lifts that I could consistently get better and better and better at. Um, but it was always at the detriment of my other lifts. If I deadlifted heavy, I was wrecked for the next week. My press suffered. My mobile events suffered. Like, everything suffered. So so I guess in one regard, my deadlift's not at its strongest. It's strong and hopefully strong enough. Like, I'm trying to kind of think of that. You know, what I said earlier, um, you know, guys that have stronger presses typically do better than the guys that have stronger deadlifts. I'm letting my deadlift leg a little bit in the hopes that being a stronger presser will give me an advantage but how much stronger is my press is it going to really prove stronger in competition we'll see um i'm definitely not the strongest presser yet <laughs> i'm still a ways from that but um i should be able to hold my own in the upper you know certainly up to 20% i think um but yeah i feel pretty good um you know, I'm always I think I'm always the underdog. You know, it's a matter of usually, you know, if I if I can manage to get through all the ends with events without fucking something <laughs> that's usually <laughs> always my that's always my downfall. It's never strength. I fucking stumble like at at SCL last year. I mean, I was I was solidly in second after day one maintained my second place after the first event, but the first event was a truck pull. Fell flat on my face halfway, muscled the whole thing through. I think I still placed really well on it, but then I just, dude, I, I, I left everything on the on the field for that event and sucked the last three. Um, you know, class on the coast this year. I was in second place in the in the prelims going into the last event. All I had to do was finish. Um, because you know, Mike O'Connor was went right before me because he was in third. And and I mean, he technically finished it, but part of the rules was he had to have all of the implements on the platform. He threw one of them over it tumbled over and he couldn't go around the back because it was up against the curb and the signage was right on the back of the platform. So mm-hmm. kind of hosed him. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from Mike. I think he definitely deserved that place more than I did, but Um, but all I had to do was finish. And I changed, you know, some things up. Doesn't matter. I fumbled the shit out of the keg and didn't finish. (laughs) I mean, like, there's no reason I I shouldn't have finished that, that loading bit. It it wasn't that heavy or hard, but you know, I I just, I inevitably fuck things up. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, And I need to not do that, this show. I mean, fortunately, the only event I think that I could really fumble on is uh, the sandbag medley. But, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. So I'm shooting sense. for the top 10, man. I mean, I'm always shooting for top 10 at least. So.
1: Yeah. No, you got this. I mean, seeing your training has been super impressive. And like you said, I think it's important to kind of – I think that kind of goes with the whole theme of like trying to be a well-rounded athlete. And it makes it hard if you focus on deadlifting. It does take out so much of your body that it can impact your performance for your other workouts and stuff. You see people like they're really great at like the yoke or the deadlift and everything. But then that can impact how the rest of your training goes.
0: I mean, some people can handle it. I I mean, there's some guys that can handle... You know, yoking once a week. I can't. I do. I haven't touched yoke at all this training cycle. I, I'm not even every time I so yoke is another one of those events where it's definitely not my best. It's not usually my worst, but um, if I train it, I mean that that's even more impactful on on my CNS than deadlifting. So um, me training it usually ends up causing regression during training. Uh, and i don't do any better in competition than if i don't touch it so like i didn't touch yoke at uh, clash in the rockies last year for for the 22 uh clash on the Coast qualifier um did fine i mean it could have done a little better but i was, did, did better than i probably would have had i been training it so you know yoke isn't until the finals in this show anyway so i'm like i'm not gonna kill myself training finals events we'll deal with those once i get there um stones are another one Stones are like riding a bike for me. I, I'm really not worried about stones at all. Um, but deadlift, like even though I'm good at deadlift, I have to train deadlift to some extent. Um, Cause if I don't, deadlift is like one of those if like movements for me that there has to be some constant uh, upkeep of adaptation. I don't, I don't know what else to call it. Uh, if I'm not, if I don't feel heavyweight, like it, it just doesn't move. So um I have to constantly readapt to like gritting through deadlifting. Otherwise my body will aggress really fast on deadlift. Yeah. And I'm gonna train it today, one last time. But um I'm not I'm not disappointed where my training is at. Um you know, I think day of the show, actual deadlift from from regular height, you know, I, I should be able to do six to eight reps, I think. Which will be, I think, will be a good score. You know, you're yeah, you're gonna have guys out there like Frankie Pro, where it's probably gonna pull 10 plus, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but but you know, then I, you know, just need to be better than him at the other other three events.
1: <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean he's all the pressing monster, so I mean we'll see what happens at the end of the day. I mean, there's ten slots for the finals, so um, even if I get the tenth one, I'll be happy.
1: That's true. I have been actually thinking about trying to do yoke more after just seeing um Mitchell Hooper's run at the Rogue Invitational. If he did the thousand-pound yoke, just ran with it and then three presses on a log at 360 pounds in 32 seconds.
0: Dude, he's I, so fast on heavy, like the way he moves a heavy yoke is just unbelievable. It's weird because you watch uh, like if. It was just like in a vacuum and
1: you saw him moving that. You could not guess what the weight was. But then you see other people like struggle with it and have to set it back down and like really brace. And it's weird to watch him literally just stand up and just run. And you're like, you're just running with a thousand pounds. And the way he threw it was just like,
0: yeah, dude.
1: just unfathomable.
0: Are- and there's guys out there. I mean, Rob Kearney's another one that's always been just freakishly fast and strong on yoke. Um, cause I think at last year, it's a rogue invitational. Um, you know, what is Rob like Two eighty or something? I don't know what his body weight is. Yeah. Say. Cause he, he's he only like an inch taller or less, than I am. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I want to say there, there, there was this comparable weight last year and he ran the whole length of that. Like, I don't know. I think it was under nine seconds. Stupid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I guess he <laughs> was I mean, so fast, right? I mean, there's those guys out there that are like that you know, that's their, that's their strength. I, I wish I, I wish I had their ability to move yoke that fast. Yeah. But you have those <laughs> I mean, same yeah, on 105s too. I mean, Mike Cogden is, is freakishly fast. Justin Loy is freakishly fast um, with heavy yokes.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, it's amazing to see like the performance of these athletes and everything. And I think a part of it, if you realize that's, part of that insulation from the outside world is where you're so surrounded by strong people that in your mind, it's easy, especially, I mean, for me to feel like I'm not very strong. And then you think of the average person's like, there are people out there being impressed by body body weight, squats with the cable machine, helping you go down. Right. And everything. I, I, so, so it's like, no, I think it's there, this I huge contrast. Dinosaur squat. Oh yeah. Dinosaur squat. I don't
0: know. I don't know where that comes from, but, and I could be completely wrong. <laughs> But for some reason, I want to say that I saw somebody call that a, uh, a dinosaur squat. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I think that's good that your prep's going well for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel good. Like, again, like I said, I mean, I've changed my training up dramatically for this, this, uh, prep, um, in the past, I would train events more or less four to five days a week. Um, and I would just be completely wrecked and miserable by the last week or last couple weeks of training because I would progressively get heavier and heavier and heavier, right? Push harder and harder and harder. Um, I took a little break after class on the coast, about three months. I mean, it wasn't like a complete break out of the gym, but I just like, I screwed off, skipped a lot of days, right? Just kind of did my own thing. And when I finally came back, and decided to start pursuing something, which was initially the OSG qualifier. Um, dude, my strength, like amazed. Um, and my coach, Bo, like, you know, he's like, dude, rest, rest does amazing things, right? It gives you an opportunity to like, I mean, you know, layman's terms rewire your body, um, things just started clicking. And from there, I have, dude, I've only been training events twice a week. I've been doing like two event days and two conditioning days a week. And my event days might change depending on how I feel. Um, I've been giving myself, leading up to a big event day where I want to do, you know, hit certain numbers and I want to make sure that I do it. I've been giving myself extra rest to make sure that I'm fully recovered. Um, where before I would never do that, just go into it, however, you know, as is and just, you know, suck and be mad or whatever. Right. Um, so my failure rate, this this training prep is very, very low, um, which in turn is like adds a lot of like positive mental aspects to going into a show. I feel good. I know I'm strong Been hitting the numbers that I want to hit. Um, you know, I guess I did have some ups and downs, with my deadlift, but that's like a whole other story is having some back issues, but, um, those seem to be, uh, gone now, finally. But yeah, man, I've just been resting more, resting more and doing better on the days, like making sure getting the f- fewer strength training days, but higher quality days has been kind of my key, uh, in this, in this prep cycle. And, you know, part of that maybe is my age, I don't recover as well as I used to. I don't know. I don't feel I'm almost 44, but I don't feel 44. I don't feel any different than I did in my thirties, but, uh, I know you yeah, it's strong. been a good recipe. It's been a good recipe. This, this training. prep. Yeah. And
1: I think that's important of, as someone who has kind of trouble with rest days and I'm on a deload week right now. So it's very hard not to think like, just to push it a little bit extra to see like what's yeah. prescribed and just like, maybe bump those percents up a little bit, see things. But I mean, the rest is super important because like your coach Bo was saying that rest, because you realize your body operates completely differently when it's in a parasympathetic nervous system state versus that wired keyed up sympathetic nervous system state of your sleep quality is going to be different. The way you even think mentally of realizing I was kind of, especially at the beginning of this week, just super burnt out and just like felt like my mind was fried and frustrated about so many things. And just like trying to like take actually taking the day off of like skip my workout on Halloween and everything it just made a world
0: of difference coming back to it and everything. Yeah, I'm a big advocate. Like I don't like playing structured deload weeks. Mm-hmm. I've never liked them. Because I, I've always been kind of a, of the mind that if you feel good, you should take advantage of it. Get quality mm-hmm. workout in while while the opportunity is there. And, and you know, that kind of is where my mind is at now too because, like, I've skipped days in this training prep because, like, mm-hmm. I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't, I wasn't feeling it. I just didn't feel good. Um, and maybe I didn't skip it altogether, but I, I changed things up at the, at the gym and decided, you know, hey, today's not a dumbbell day. I'm just going to do mobility and some light conditioning. Right. Um, something like that. But, but yeah, my, uh, my training has been, I, you know, the realization that, that gains don't happen from beating yourself up day in and day out. Right. I mean, y- your body obviously has to have the stimuli to, you know, to uh, make it, you know, kick it out of uh homeostasis to force it to adapt, right? You obviously mm-hmm. have to have that. But the gains aren't made in in the gym per se. The gym the, the gains are made during rest and recovery. And you know it kind of dawned on me um that if you want to make big gains, then you need to fully recover in between training days. Like that's where huge gains are made. And 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 like at least for me that's been true. It's been very, very truly recently. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been moving weight that has never moved so well in training ever in my entire life, and a lot. And I attribute a lot of that is, is to, you know, taking the time to recover first, whether it means moving a training day back a day, doing it on a different day of the week, or whatever it is, making sure I'm fully recovered before I go in and hit uh, heavy
1: weighting. I think I mean that that's super important. Cause like you see a lot of people kind of idolizing that, like hit it no matter what, like, just do it, just do the thing. Like as if taking a day off will somehow start the cycle where you just stop going to the gym. Whereas in reality, I think I know seeing your farmers carry and stuff like 330 pounds moving, like it's nothing like moving very well. And you see other people and I've definitely been guilty of this too, Of my coach has helped break me out of this because at first, at the beginning, when I started with him, there were those times where I'd be like, oh, I actually was feeling under the weather. So I couldn't hit the numbers I was hoping like, and he was like, if you're not going to hit the numbers that the workout needs, just don't do the workout, do some mobility, do something different because there is, yeah. Of like, would you rather wait till you're really feeling it and hit 330 pounds per hand on farmers or if you're feeling not that not that great going like 20, 30% lighter than you would just to get the workout out of the way, it's and like, are you really accomplishing your objective?
0: And that may that may make sense for newer athletes too, right? Yeah. I mean, if, it's, if there's like, um, you know, you're still new to the event and, and there's still a, a need to learn the form, like the, you know, whatever, gain the agility, mobility, whatever it is, to perform that movement, maybe that makes sense to some regard, Mm -hmm. Um, dropping the weight significantly to still train it. But, you know, again, after 14 years, like, I've trained farmers so many freaking times, like, I don't need to go train farmers. I just need to be strong. Like, I know how to move farmers. I understand the mechanics, right? Um, Same with Atlas Stone, same with Yoke, same with, you know, maybe some of the other, I mean, really with, from, for the most part, all of the events. Um, but but like I mentioned before, there are certain events like deadlifting, like just I have to do um, to, to maintain that adaptation. But, but yeah, that's, I mean, like to me now where I'm at, I'm more concerned about just being strong. And how do I, you know, how do I get strong? I'm not worried about, you know, those movements so much, but but yeah, I mean, I think it's still important. Um, active recovery is important, right? Still moving, getting blood move, you know, movement, um, mobility, agility, power, you know, all those things are pretty low impact. So, yeah. I mean, you, you got to be able to make that exactly call at the gym sometimes and just pivot, right? Um, the movement that's prescribed is not feeling good. Let's pivot and still get in a quality workout something that's still beneficial, whether it's something as simple as just some light um, aerobic or conditioning and mobility or, you know, some hypertrophy, whatever it is, like still walk out of the gym feeling good because training, lifting, competition is a huge aspect of it is mental, right? It's mind over matter. Um, And there's nothing, in my opinion, more detrimental than failing weight that you should be able to easily hit if you're fully recovered right yeah because this... then it brings up like feelings of doubt doubt and weakness and you know why is this happening to me I don't understand you know all kinds of things start to boil up and it's that it's detrimental to your overall mental mental health I think or you know the mental aspect of that of the strength game so
1: Yeah. And I think it's someone at, especially when someone's at your level, you no longer have to train that discipline. Like you're not going to just stop going to the gym by missing one workout. Whereas I think, like you said at the beginning, there are those things where like discipline in your brain, like it's a muscle, like anything else, you do need to train those things because a lot of people, I mean, I typically, I just get miserable without going to the gym. So I'm going to be there at least four days a week, but for, I think those people who might necessarily need to like coach themselves or get themselves into the gym, I think it's important to be there. But like you said, thinking, trying to factor in like your overall goals, like you don't need to have this like necessarily hard schedule in your mind. Like I'm doing it, this was on the menu, so I'm doing it. And like you said, movement, like active recovery can be hugely important because I was guilty of it for The longest time I probably held back my own training for a while by just like going really hard all the time until I physically couldn't do anything. And then just like not doing anything at all, because I'm just like wiped out. Whereas that idea of like trying to be a bit more sustainable about it. Like we were saying part of, I think the good move of CrossFit gaining the visibility there is thinking of like trying to be, think about overall athleticism. Like your goal is Overall, trying to be powerful in like as many areas as you can, rather than this idea of like you're going to kill yourself every day in the gym. Like that's only sustainable for so long, and everything. And like you said,
0: it's less sustainable the older you get. I mean, there, there—that is undeniable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just hit 32, and it's a world of difference from like a few years ago, and everything. It's still maybe it's
0: not older that you get. You know, actually, I kind of like i think I, it's the heavier you go though i think it's the heavier you go right because i think they got they, they, with a strength athlete they go hand in hand right the older you get mm-hmm. the more weight you're moving to some point you know at some point you know age is going to catch up and you're not going to be able to continue um, getting stronger but um but yeah they go kind of hand in hand right is it really being older or is it just that you're moving more weight um could be one or both right um, but yeah Moving a lot of weight is super taxing in your body. You just cannot sustain, you know, uh, somebody that's an 800 pound squatter, right? Can't sustain squatting 800 plus probably three days a week, whereas 135 pounds squatter probably can't,
1: right? Yeah, it's that
0: world of difference
1: because I think um, that was one helpful thing one of my friends told me last year when I was struggling with some things is I was like, it's much harder to lift the way that I used to. everything and it was that difference of thinking even if you're stronger your body still knows 500 pounds is 500 pounds like it's still going to tax your body and it's going to tax your central nervous system like even if you you continue adapt with it, it it is that difference of you think it's almost like this curve of like the lower your weights are the more often you can do them because you can probably actually for newer athletes especially when you're getting kind of like the newer gains and everything, you can actually go probably closer to 90, 95% pretty routinely without it not having as much of an impact. Whereas like, unless you're Jamal Brown, or most of us can't do these massive things every week of him. What is it? Trying to hit 501 or hit 501. And then the next week tried to hit
0: 510 kgs. Still got it to his knees, but like, I mean, there's times where like, you know, deadlift, I've been able to push like heavier and heavier deadlift um, to some point. Um, My body just doesn't like that anymore. I need more recovery. uh, Yeah. Or at least I I don't know. There's so much my body either. Mentally I need more recovery. (laughs) Yeah. And I
1: think also you touched on something that I think often gets overlooked is like the mental aspect of like pushing yourself, Is good for a lot of things, but like sometimes stacking up those failures can really get in your head of like, if you get to this point where I've seen friends do it and I've done it before, where you have this number in your mind and you keep trying to get it and you keep missing it, that can actually start to like get into your head. If you have people where you have this idea of like, I want to hit this certain weight overhead and I'm just going to keep trying it and keep failing it till eventually you get this mental block. Some people will get it with like farmer's carries or like sandbags is another one that like friends. And even I've done it too, where you get this mental thing of like, you miss the sandbag enough times that you're like, this is a really hard thing where sometimes it's, you're just not training optimally or giving yourself the mental space.
0: For me, sometimes it depends on like how I fail too. Um you know, like talking about sandbag, like if I can not barely flap it, then, you know, that says a lot to me. If I'm just nearly missing it because I can't quite just get it an inch over my like one more inch, to me that's almost that's that's more or less success. Like, I missed my, I mean for the purpose of training, right? Um, you know, I missed a two forty. Well, I, I it was heavier and then it went lighter, so it was probably two forty 240, two, two forty three. My first two attempts and then two just over two forty. Um, you know, I was locking it out every time. I just couldn't hold it like. To me, like from a training perspective, does my body really know the difference between the fact that I got it all the way to lockout versus I held it for three seconds? Probably not. Like it's still good work. Right. But, yeah. but, but to me, like, am I just barely getting it off my shoulder and going over and over at it? Right. That to me is like total failure. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, but that's kind of the paradigm that I live in. Um, Teaches them.
1: Yeah, that's true. But overall, I think I think it's good that idea of trying to pace yourself and listen to your body a lot more, especially as you get older, you do this longer, of like trying to make it sustainable and everything. Cause ideally most of us would love to be get to your point and be <laughs> that strong. Because I think there is like I think the impressive part is to think of like constant improvement. Cause oftentimes you have so many people who they view like certain things as being the peak of their life or this idea that like, it's all downhill from here and everything. Whereas I think ideally if you can try to push things in a sustainable manner, you can continue progress for longer than people tend to think. Cause there is that idea of you have people. I mean, I have friends who are my age at this point who Have stacked up so many injuries so consistently that, like, things are just really impossible. Have you had people who have, like, multiple, like, spine injuries, like, have had to get major surgeries, reconstructing knees, hips? Like, those things add up.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, that's going to happen to some people. But again, I mean, you know, is it, is that a genetic factor that, that's causing that for them? Is it, you know, poor coaching in their, their youth, you know, not teaching them proper technique. Um, you know, who knows, you know, but I mean, you know, football too is very high impact, you know, guys get hurt playing football and contact sports. Um, you know, that's just bound to happen. And some of those injuries can be, you know, career ending. So I mean, that's going to happen for some people. Yeah. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's guys that, that like, You know, have complete, you know, um, quad and and patella ruptures, right? Squatting, you know, or even push pressing weight that I, right? And it just happens. It's kind of the risk that we all have to accept every time you get under the bar, so to speak, that, that you're taking a risk that your body's going to break. Everybody's yeah. body's going to break at a different, at a different tension level. <laughs> yeah. The rusted is, muscles. not all the same, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, you kind of talk about longevity and, you know, I've always tried to, you know, uh, gear myself towards longevity and long-term, um, you know, uh, continual growth. But, you know... There's still, there's still a breaking point for me. I mean, you know, I hope I don't find it, but I may.
1: <laughs> and yeah. that may
0: be the end. I, I don't know. I but think I'm, so. I'm, I'm dumb enough to continue taking that risk. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's a, it's a it really is a great sport and everything. Like we were saying, this is like, we do the podcast because we love this and everything. Yeah. Like there is a lot of great stuff about it. I you know. Um, I love
0: string sports in general, man. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm starting to like, you know, I mean I I admire, I think, more and more all all the all the relative sports, you know. There was a time where, you know, bodybuilding was mocked, you know, for by straw and power of the thing. CrossFit of course is mocked still in certain circles. And but the more that, you know, I think if you're open to realizing that that everybody is putting in the hard fucking work. And their discipline, you know, in their own right to meet the goals that that they are after in their relative sports, man. It's all fucking impressive. It's all very impressive. And I
1: think that. That's an important note because I think it's easy, especially with CrossFit and other examples of people looking at like the goofiest parts of the sport or like the worst examples of the sport being like, this is the sport. And you're like, is that a good faith argument? Is that yeah, like, would you right. approach anything else this way of like, yeah, find well, the
0: worst? It's never a good argument.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, cause you see a lot of times people tend to have a black and white worldview of like, even with exercise choices to say like this exercise done with wrong form can be dangerous, so you shouldn't do it. The Jeff cavalier on YouTube says things like that all the time, and you're like, well, logically, anything done with wrong form increases your risk of injury.
0: Do that's subjective. I mean, I mean, I mean, how many times have we been told that deadlifting with a rounded back is dangerous? But you know, you shared videos of that dude doing like hardcore round back, freaking, you know, yeah. uh, from the goddamn floor. Like, <laughs> why is this back? Why is this spine not breaking? This is what we've been told. Like. Forever, your spine's supposed to break when you when you do that. But, but you know, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's appropriate to say that like it, cre- it certainly increases the risk. But um, atlas stone lifting is always around the spine, always. Mm-hmm. always. I don't know anybody's heard their back lifting in atlas stone. So um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into play and whether or not bad form is going to cause injury or not. Uh,
1: and uh, I mean, I mean yeah. it's
0: obvious, There's obvious, you know, bad form elements that
1: are yeah. likely going to hurt you. And we we wouldn't incur- encourage anything dangerous. But like, if you could beat the world record of 550 pounds asurged from the floor and weigh it out, that might be world impressive. World right. That's not a world record. <laughs> That's not a
0: world record. You can't, but... you can't call. You can't call a gym lift. Literally just in the gym by yourself that you recorded. <laughs> <So on the laughs> internet, a world record. I, I don't give a fuck who you are. It's true. But deadly is live. Uh, yeah. No. No. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, okay. That's the line in the sand. <laughs> but if someone does film it and have witnesses, like this would be it, something it to see. It on but...
0: camera. It proves that it's 550 pounds. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we can talk, but. I think I, mean, the, it be done. Yeah. I, I still think that it should be done in a competition setting, right? Whether it's in your gym or not, have some kind of efficient, um, officials, you know, think... standard structure, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, um,
1: not enough yeah, people so want, want, want to do the searcher from you the floor. just
0: recorded a, a gym video that you did by yourself in your home gym and call it a fucking. That's <laughs> true. But um, I, okay. I not, not gonna fly with me.
1: I think the interesting thing though you said with the backgrounding and stuff is a lot of times like a lot of this stuff comes from like HR of like you can't lift more than 50 pounds without like completely neutral spine, use your legs, this like perfect form. Well, it's and it's like
0: liability for them. So they got to of risk, right? That's risk management.
1: Yeah, but I think people tend to kind of internalize it in this way that like the body is adaptable. And I think the dangerous thing for many people is. And some of my friends who have had like the worst back injuries is like perfect spine all the time. But then, that one time that you can't maintain it, we usually yeah. is at a maximal load, then yeah. it just, you're at your most compromised position. So that's why I think like stones and sandbags tend to be some of the most effective lifts you can do for training your back in a compromised position. Usually it is lower load, like you're not going to max out your stone. And usually yeah. if you max out your stone too early, like lay your wheels, you're going to tear your bicep. Like yeah. it's not, most people, like no one's, a lot of people aren't hurting their backs from stones. So I think this idea of like, yeah. the body's adaptable and training, training your body in all different forms. So I think that's why I tend to, appreciate strongman a lot of actually um deadliest lift who we we're talking about with the zercher, he had a post talking about that's why he's done one powerlifting meet and one strongman meet but he wouldn't do powerlifting again because it's too strict there are too much it's too limited and he enjoys the variety that strongman offers
0: well, and that's why a lot of strongman athletes you know do strongman we yeah do different level, right i mean what it makes it a lot of fun I
1: mean, true okay. but i think yeah overall i know today's episode will be slightly shorter because i actually do have to get back to work
0: oh yeah no problem man if you need to cut it everything short, you to cut yeah it short. we didn't do you even have any... even yeah. talk about anything that was on the agenda <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: we do have next time though there is there is something do you I have like any this,
0: this was good though because we kind of kept it on topic um you know we were planning on kind of going off the strongman topic and, and talking more real world but uh, i think it was good man
1: yeah, do you have any final notes for people? Any notes from the last episode? Any thoughts, criticisms,
0: anything? I've got a lot to criticize, but I'm just going to keep it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, it was good. Because, I know. mean, honestly, I'm sure there's a lot that people can criticize about me, too. Um, yeah. Because I'm, I'm by no means a, a fucking saint.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the important part is like being open to criticism of like whether it's not whether it's about lifting or anything else. Oftentimes the way we grow is like from that feedback.
0: Yeah, I, I love Everything. criticism. I have said this before. And and I remember, you know, I'm not gonna say who it was, but um, you know, there was a period in my life, well, it was it was bad. My dad was dying of cancer. Um mm. uh I I just lost my job. Actually, I think it might have been after my dad died. I lost my job, like <laughs> right after my like no i'm sorry no i lost my job and then my dad told me I had cancer and then we found he was dying so somewhere in that period um you know my i i became a bit negative right it was hard mm-hmm. to not like view the world negatively when so much negative was going on in my life and you know and apparently it was still you know spilling out over into the way i was commenting or posting on instagram and somebody who I like I respect a, a lot, you know, called me out of directly, uh, and I never told them thank you for it, but um, it was uh, it was a big eye opener, and and it made you know because I don't always realize like I I don't think we as people always realize you know how our behavior is coming off to other people or how other people are perceiving it, and and sometimes I think we all kind of need that like nudge. Especially from people that are close from us close to us, right? And like a reminder, like, hey, you're not you need to change something, you know, change this aspect. Like, hey, you're coming off negatively, or you're being an asshole, or you're being, you know, disrespect whatever it is, right? And to keep us get us back on the rails. And uh, so I think criticism, you know, everybody responds to criticism differently. I just like sometimes when people just tell them, Okay, dude, you're being an asshole or you're being negative, like, stop. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize it. Thank you so much. Yeah.
1: Because I think that's important, that balance of like as people and as we've evolved, like what is it you need to hear seven positive things to kind of counterbalance a negative thing. So it is this idea of we tend to hang on to negative experiences just out of evolutionary purpose of danger and pattern recognition. Like you want to avoid bad circumstances, especially back Mm when there was a lot more present danger to people it was this idea of i had a bad experience with snakes i'm not going to be around snakes anymore and now we kind of internalize that of oftentimes if you get negative about things it's easy to just kind of dwell on them and to kind of have it snowball so i think that's an important note to say of like i think we try here very much to offer feedback, but to know that it comes from a place of like respect and like yeah, yeah. high expectations, because I think some of the least warranted feedback can be when you're giving negative feedback or criticism and it's not coming from a place of respect. Because oftentimes yes. the best feedback is that thing of saying, hey, I think the world of you and I'd expect a little bit better of I think you're a great person and you're being a bit negative right now. Maybe you could be a bit more positive rather than yeah. thinking like, Yeah,
0: I'd say it's yeah. probably more uh, a place of sincerity.
1: Yeah, sincerity, yeah. Because,
0: because there's things that people even that I that I that are close to me may do that makes me to start questioning my respect for them. <laughs> but but <laughs> my sincerity, right, is is like I care about a relationship and you enough to like bring this to your attention because I don't want to lose respect for you. Um so yeah, I don't know. Different perspective, yeah. same same outcome, but <laughs> it's true. But yeah,
1: I think those are some good final thoughts. Yeah, everything. Man. Hopefully, we'll have something to talk about next week as well.
0: Oh, there's I always think. things to talk about, man.
1: Yeah, there's always something in Trung, man. And hopefully, I know next week might be so busy with, with you traveling. Will
0: not because I, I, so oh, I yeah, leave for Florida on Wednesday. um Yeah, my, my, uh, lodging arrangements a little goofy this time um, to save money since I don't have like so <laughs> not, don't have a lot of money right now because of my employment situation uh, I'm staying with well I, I mean my good friend Dave lives in Jacksonville um, and him and a couple other friends are all going down. we're gonna hang uh, in yeah. Jacksonville for the weekend so I'm actually gonna be driving about an hour and a half. Every day, well, it'll be a three-hour round trip every day to to compete. Um, weigh-ins going to be really sucky because weigh-ins are in the morning, rules are in the evening, so I'm just going to hang out all day, I guess. But
1: Ooh. okay, so we might not it's have doable. something next week. It's
0: doable. I I did it in in uh, Finland too. I drove about 50 minutes because uh, I didn't I didn't realize that where I got my Airbnb was not near the venue. <laughs> oh so. yeah. It works, but anyway, man, I think that's good yeah. for today, man. We we really don't need to keep rambling on.
1: I think so, yeah. And Rams say hello to Andrew and Luke for me. Meeting. Yeah, you'll see everyone next week. So this is great. <laughs>